0: From Storage News, my name's Brian Locke, and this is my podcast, where I interview storage industry professionals and thought leaders. Today, we're joined by Brian Tuscan, Brian is the chief security officer for Microsoft Global Security. He has 30 plus years of experience in law enforcement and the corporate security sector. Brian's team is responsible for life safety and the physical security of all of Microsoft's global corporate footprint. He was named one of the most influential people in security 2017 and founded Copta Corporate an organization that helps law enforcement professionals plan their transition to the private sector. Brian is an icon in the physical security community. He's responsible for the safety and security of Microsoft's 150,000 employees. Today, he'll share with us his perspective on the future of security and help us understand how we can leverage the changes that are coming to better protect our customers and employees. This is my first interview outside the mainstream of storage with thought leaders in related fields. I hope you find it valuable. Please let me know if you'd like to hear more interviews like this. Before we get started, I'd like to briefly talk about the state of the real estate market during the COVID-19 crisis and how storage.news can help. We're in a time of tremendous disruption. But with that disruption comes risk and opportunity. The key to dealing with the risk and unlocking the opportunity is information. At storage.news. I've added a section to bring together information on the storage industry and commercial real estate industry. It's in one place and it's from a variety of different sources. This will be updated regularly, and I hope you find it valuable. If there's a way we can improve, please let me know. You can comment on the podcast or call me on my cell at 415-828-1104. And now, our guest.
1: Can you tell me a little bit about your background and what you did before
2: Microsoft? Sure. My background primarily before Microsoft was in public safety and law enforcement and more in city municipal law enforcement. I started off early in career as a police officer for the city and county of Honolulu. And I grew up in Hawaii and I was a police officer for almost five years there. Then I decided to move to Washington State, did a lateral transfer, where I got to become a senior officer in the Redmond Police Department. And Redmond, Washington is just a small suburb just outside of Seattle, but that's where Microsoft's headquarters is at. So I spent eight years as a police officer for the city of Redmond, and most of the time, it was as a detective investigator doing all types of people crime, person crime, uh, from murders to major assaults, sexual assaults, and then property crimes, frauds, and thefts. Redmond is a very safe neighborhood, so there wasn't a lot of major crimes, but if there, there were, I, I would work those cases. So I I have close to 13 years of uh, law enforcement experience, and I had the opportunity to do a lot of cases for the Microsoft Corporation, because they're headquartered in Redmond. And I was somewhat a technical detective, so I I would get all the cases at Microsoft. And after establishing a relationship with the security team there in the mid-'90s, I was offered a job in late 2000 uh, to work as a corporate investigator within Microsoft. And so I've been there ever since. I'm going on 20 years uh, at Microsoft and I've done a myriad of roles, but all within the corporate physical security group, which we refer to as Microsoft Global Security.
1: What do you think is the state-of-the-art in video today for physical security?
2: So that's a really great question. And I forgot to mention, before my remit of security operations, for about 10 years, I ran a security technology with, with yeah. that was part of the global security group. And now it's it split off to uh, a, a shared service organization. So. I have a technical background that managed all of the video security, all of the devices, the IoT devices, all of the software, all of the integration, all of the cloud for the physical security group. And from what I understand, in, in your business or, or, or discipline, video camera uh, is probably one of the biggest tools and the most expensive tools that is. Required for the storage world, and Absolutely. I, I personally had a storage locker for many years, mm-hmm. and of course I would go in, and it was pretty locked down. You would see the multiple monitors with all the the video cameras on that, and I, as a security professional, know it's almost impossible to for someone to watch every camera. There's just there's been studies shown that it it is just not it's 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 just impossible to catch everything so the the view right of these multiple bays of video and whatnot is more of a comfort zone right it's it's it makes people feel safe because oh i have all these videos and uh views and and it's a false sense of uh security currently the the better specs and it's a lot cheaper now To get this technology is a digital camera that is ip enabled so it's tied to a network video recorder you should never Mm -hmm. have a standalone server or a box that's sitting under your desk in the uh, storage office right where somebody could just steal it should be in a very secure location the, the, the cost of broadband, the cost of cloud storage has gone down a lot. So there are a lot of opportunities to store it in the cloud or on the edge. So you have smart cameras where you have um, solid-state recording opportunities, uh, maybe not on a particular camera, but within a network video recorder. And so it just depends how much you want to spend. I would recommend do not go cheap, right? Because there, there are thousands of camera, camera manufacturers out there. And you, you can order anything online and piecemeal something together. My recommendation would be for, for us, for our corporation, it's a very, very serious and refined process of identifying the right manufacturers. So we have spec requirements for all cameras. They have to have a minimum uh, spec. So we would have from Samsung to Sony to Panasonic to Bosch to just just all of these cameras that that can work in our environment as long as they have a spec that meets or exceeds the requirements that we have for our uh, infrastructure. And so we have that. We have network uh, video recorder specs. And when we design, we have a design guideline for all of our physical security. So you you just can't plop something and plug and play, right, that you you just buy online. You have to have a a spec for it. And so I'm not sure how – I mean, your industry must be huge. And if you have owners that have multiple sites, you probably want to have a, a similar type of security system. And then it could be cost effective because instead of having multiple systems or a standalone system where each manager had to monitor their own thing, it could be integrated and it could be monitored by one center. When I first took over physical security and operations center, we had 15 life safety control centers. They weren't integrated, it was, it was all over the world. It was a hodgepodge of video cameras and access control devices. And it was basically every security manager that worked all over the world went to a conference and they bought stuff that just didn't integrate. And it was, it was an absolute mess. So I came up with a strategic plan, it took about a year and a half to build. And the plan was to integrate all of the technology and sh- solutions and it was a 3-year plan to get us all on digital video because when i started back in the dark ages we had analog cameras literally video analog cameras so if you yeah. wanted to watch a 24-hour period you literally had to watch 24 hours of video and we soon got rid of those brought in the digital cameras where even at 15 years ago, cameras were smart enough to be um, motion sensor. So you're really looking at events, event-based monitoring. So back to the strategic plan. If someone's listening to this podcast, before you spend any money, put a plan together, right? Like what what am I going to do? Benchmark, uh, read. There's a lot. There's there's a lot of free r- resources out there. And then once Absolutely. you decide what you're going to do, whatever you buy or whoever you buy it from, just ensure that they've been in business for a while. And you have mm-hmm. a call center that is 24-7. You have an ironclad uh, customer service, service level agreement, right? If something breaks, who's going to fix it, so on and so forth. And that's where you've got to do your due diligence and maybe – Spend a little more money because you could go on the cheap and put a pretty neat solution together, but if something breaks and it's not integrated, you'll probably pay more in the end.
1: Yeah, absolutely. What, what about computer vision? Do you believe that video will ever, ever be able to spot situations where, Potential threats exist, and maybe before you answer, you can explain exactly what computer vision is
2: well i I think what you're referring to is like artificial intelligence that is mm-hmm. really a soft, yes yes yeah. it's a software integration within a video camera, so the video it exists today there are many companies out there that are uh, selling this as a service no one has. Uh, Crack the code yet? But it's being developed, where the camera is more than just a dumb machine that's just recording stuff. The, what the software will allow you to do is take the information and data, and and machine learn, like learn anomalies. Uh, there, there's a company in Australia that came up with a an AI enabled software for cameras and it was specific for shopping malls and what it what it what it does is in machine learning it will take data and it will learn like a human like a brain and just basically say okay on any given normal day this this is what happens in a shopping mall this is what it looks like but if there was a fight if there was some sort of anomaly that pops up it will learn that okay if this happens this is bad and we will trigger something to let somebody know. So in, in the case of the shopping mall, if a bunch of people start gathering and it just looks like from, from a machine learning perspective, from the history, that the last time this happened there was a fight, it could immediately let their operators know, let a guard know that something's brewing in section F of the mall, you need to roll somebody over there to go check it out. So so the the same thing could be said about in, in uh storage locker uh environments where even though it's locked down, you could do a perimeter geofencing and if somebody breaks that perimeter, like why would somebody be walking around a fence, right? That that is a red flag. Well there there's technologies that exist where it would just send a signal and say, hey, there there's somebody probing or poking around in an area they shouldn't be because you have geofenced it now mm-hmm. with drones there's there's uh so if, if you look at outside of the the inner perimeter but if outside of the perimeter, <clears throat> especially in some areas where it's it's not densely populated but it could it could be in a densely populated area and if the f a a allows you to use a drone. They have technology where a drone can self-identify if there's a threat. It will automatically fly up, follow the threat, and it will send a signal to an operation center, which doesn't have to be in in that physical location. You could ac- actually pay somebody to monitor that for you. And so that, that subscription you pay is way much cheaper than having labor of a security guard standing around doing something. And it, it's it's, called event-based monitoring.
1: That's fantastic. That was going to be another one of my questions, you know, dealing with drones and robots and how they're applicable to security. But so that's great we just covered that. What about biometrics and facial recognition? Do you see that becoming an important part of access control solutions?
2: Absolutely, right? It and but You also have to look at privacy too. So Microsoft, we're really big on privacy. We're really uh, listening to to the industry and want to be pioneers on privacy that that we're doing it right. So there are countries, there are certain cities and and areas that do not want to have any type of facial recognition. So you just have to be very careful of what uh, exactly you're trying to accomplish. So So if we look at facial recognition as a biometric, There's technology out there with our Azure cloud cognitive services where it can recognize uh, your face as a a unique uh, signature and it can allow you to gain access just through your face. Uh, But a great question popped up in my industry. Somebody said, what if someone's wearing a mask, right, like a face mask? And I never even thought of that, right? You would always think people would not have their face covered. And if it was covered, that would be an anomaly to say, hey, don't let this person in, right? But now we're telling everyone to wear a mask. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So I, I don't know the answer to that question. We're try, still trying to figure it out. People could say, well, you know, it could, uh, the technology is out there that it could, it could uh, likely just from your eyes, and I'm not saying like an iris scan but actually a camera view of just your eyes it could, it could tell who you are uh, hand geometry biometrics where you put your hand on something well, nowadays nobody wants to put their hand anywhere right Absolutely, so yeah we have to like rethink okay what what is what is it going to get get you in a particular location but the, the technology exists today there's like two factor authentication where likely it'll be your phone, right? You'll have your phone, and there's some sort of authentication device where you would use your fingerprint uh, or your face to get into somewhere. But you really want to be smart on a from a cost perspective. Like, what, what do you really want to do to keep an environment safe? So I'll give you an example. The storage locker that I rented It was basically here's your code. You punch it in and it was almost like an old school pay phone where you punch punch in the the code and I'd always forget it and I get locked out and I have to press the button. So it wasn't wasn't a really good experience from a customer perspective. If there Mm -hmm. was some sort of biometric that could get me in where I could log in with a phone if there was an app that could say yep, that this is Brian Tuscan and I I could get in it would be such a better uh, experience. So If I was in this line of business, I would look at from an experience perspective of someone coming in where they feel it's easy to get in, but I also feel it's safe, and I feel safe being here. That's like the million-dollar question. Are there multi-factor
1: authentication solutions that could be applied to, let's say, a storage facility that are cost-effective, at this moment?
2: Absolutely, right? It, but it just depends what is cost effective. If if you're mm-hmm. going to spend mm-hmm. money on a camera system, if you're going to spend money on an alarm system, right, that's just your base um, rough order, order of magnitude when you build out these places, right? You mm-hmm. you may want to seek out a consultant. And be, car- be careful with consultants. Look, I always say, do your... Due diligence. So, if a consultant's pitching something, first thing I ask, I always ask this question. I go, "Who are you working with? The size of Microsoft, where you have deployed a solution that helped them be better, uh, more cost effective, and safer, and at the scale of my company? Give me their name, right?" And they'll they'll be like, "Well, um, I, I I can't. You know, a lot of a lot of times you hear these excuses, right?" So. But there are some. Oh yeah, I work with this company or that company, and I. And I but I'm not at liberty to, to give any more info. So I said, fine. I, I know those people. I'll reach out and ask myself, and that's usually how I vet. No different from your industry. You, if if you find a consultant, really find someone that has proven that they they were able to innovate or digitally transform an environment where it's like the the benchmark, right? The gold standard of how to operate with modern technology and security because our physical security world and the technology is really behind the times. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's like 20 years behind the cyber world, right? Cyber is like as advanced as you can get and the physical security, they're still working on guns, guards, and gates. So to, I mean, expand on your question, how would someone look into a solution, it has to be right for their situation, so it's, it's customized. Um, they have to put a lot of thought into it. And the only thing that's really going to cost a lot is time. The time yeah. you put into research can save you thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands, maybe even millions of dollars, depending how big your operation is. And I, w- I would not spend a lot of money on something that has not been proven.
0: Before we continue, here's a word from our sponsor, Store Local Co-op. It gets tougher and tougher every day for the independent storage operator. Operational challenges arise in our business and problems develop that need to be solved immediately. Wouldn't it be great to know you are part of a group that has likely addressed these issues already? The Store Local Cooperative is the self-storage industry's only group of exclusively independent, small, mid-sized, and large owner-operators. As a co-op, the members have seen and dealt with most of the problems you're going to deal with on a day-to-day basis. The members are happy to help one another out through the network of over 140 member companies across the United States and Canada. To find out more about joining the collective, visit www.selfstorage.coop. If you've got a problem, the co-op can fix it.
1: You touched on this a little earlier, but I think it might be worth visiting again. How do storage operators with multiple facilities effectively monitor their video feeds?
2: So probably the best example would be to look at what my team does. We have about 750 physical locations, and yeah. most locations are huge. They're bigger than a storage locker, right? I mean, we've got high-rise buildings, we, we have campuses. Um, it, is, it is about 40 million square feet, just to give you a scale of, of, of the physical space that I'm re- responsible for. And even at that scale, we have two operation centers that manage all of the signals for alarms and for video. And I believe to date we have about 20,000 cameras uh, on on our um, uh, campuses, right? And so we don't have hundreds of people looking at 20,000 cameras. It's all event-based, and it's all integrated. And so the operation center managing everything through the The single tool that we have uh currently we use Linnell, which which is uh access control but also a video viewer we're we're uh exploring another uh, technology called milestone. We also looked at Genitech. all three are very good, and uh for us to make any changes, the scale is such a big uh challenge because we have to ensure it works everywhere around the world, so it'll take a much much longer in your uh, storage world, most likely it will be within a state or different cities or counties, or maybe a- across the nation. Uh, but we're monitoring stuff across the globe, mostly remotely. And if you have a a owner, maybe you have five, six lock sto- storage uh, businesses, and it's integrated, you, you don't even need anyone on site to be monitoring that. that. I, I would literally pay a a company that monitors professionally, and they, there's a bunch of them out there, and and you give them their your requirements of what what they need to do to to monitor. But it, it needs to be integrated, right? It's all uh, net- networked, and they can, they can access an alarm, and there there's there's triggers, right? So if there's a breach or there's an anomaly, they know how to escalate. Because the last thing you want is, one, someone having uh, their life safety compromised, right? From from an assault or something even worse, because these places are pretty much like ghost towns, right? You go in there, I'd, I'd be like the only one in there. So how, how do you ensure somebody feels safe, right? And, and I felt mm-hmm. pretty safe at the one I used, because... Once you got in, you had to code in, then you had to code into the actual room because it my I had an inner unit. Door would lock behind me. Once in a while somebody would come in, so there would be another stranger in there, but you would feel somewhat safe that they somehow got in there. But I I know for a fact that there were some air the the whole storage center I was at didn't have any like emergency stations, right? So if you, if you look at the Microsoft campus, we we have emergency stations in in our parking garages uh, outside and it's very visible and and that's that's really for people that maybe have an emergency or they feel unsafe and they can just run up and press a button and they will get a hold of someone. And mm-hmm. and so I w- I would say from a business development perspective, right? If you tout your safety, right? Your safety record and all the things you've done to keep your 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 business safe people will feel more comfortable and maybe even paying more than someone that's a little loose on on the the safety and security right they just want to make a quick buck and I tell you what I will pay a premium if I feel it's safe for my wife or my family to go do uh, any type of business alone in in a you know a a storage area absolutely
1: If you were responsible for outfitting a storage facility with the most secure technology available, what would that look like?
2: So I I would start with the outer perimeter before I'd get in and look at how hard is it to break into this place, right? And usually it's some sort of fence. Uh, It may be covered, so you can't see in it. But that gets really expensive, especially if you have the the storage locker I was in was pretty big, so they had boats and RVs on the outside, and you could you could see it just the way it was designed. If you were in a two story building, you could see everything that's in it. And so I would I would definitely look at the perimeter and then hire a consultant to look at that design. And and there's this thing called SEPTED, crime prevention through environmental design, and you prevent crime through design uh and environmental design, so if you look at the perimeter, are there easy to hop in and get into the the location right uh it it, it It's pretty basic you know doing a perimeter check, and any uh security consultant worth their salt would know these basic uh tenants for. Uh, security and safety. So I start with the perimeter. Then, what what kind of security do you have? Uh, a lot of times it's it's a gate, right? That just opens up once you punch in your code. Is is the code easily transferable, right? Like it, the the one I went to, I, I could have given anyone my code and they could have got in, right? And there was no no way to really authenticate. It was me punching it in or someone that just got it from me. So you could and it's very it's getting more inexpensive, you could have license plate reader technology, right, where you basically have to have every vehicle that comes in be registered through mm-hmm. the license plate. And if it's not recognized as you drive in, because the camera will look at it, it will not let you in. So you would have another, two, it would be a two-factor authentication. You punch in a code, or you have some sort of biometric to get in, but because your car doesn't have the right, plate and and i think you could even go make and model it won't let you in so it's just that wow. extra layer of security think of it as like uh you know iraq or afghanistan where the the u.s interests are uh and they have green zones right so you have this protection once you get into the green zone you're, you're like safe or mm-hmm. safe safe enough you basically uh Making it uh, the target harder, right? Target hardening. So any way to minimize risk for somebody coming into your physical location, those are the ideas that you have to put into the planning and differentiates you from everyone else, right? Uh, So at a high level, that would be me getting in. So you you actually get into the the building. Well, you definitely want to have visible cameras. So people see it, they feel safe, and, and cameras have, the the physical view of a camera has all kinds of, uh, I would say benefits. One, for the customers and clients, they'd be like, all right, this place this place looks pretty secure. I feel I feel secure. It's also a deterrent for the bad guys, right? Ooh man, this place is loaded with cameras. Let's go break into the other place that doesn't have all these cameras. And Absolutely. cameras are very inexpensive. Nowadays, and they're just so much more inexpensive and and higher quality quality than were they just 10 years ago, and so don't skimp on cameras. Uh, get a lot of them, and then there are technologies out there where you would have maybe 20 cameras on a particular zone of buildings or aisles or whatever. Now you can put one or two cameras that can see everything they're like HD and you can pinpoint sections on it so they it's a little more expensive but it has a way more bigger field of view mm-hmm. i would also have um cameras that can sense certain anomalies right and and this is where you have the geofencing and and it's not really the camera although some cameras have inf- infrared uh specs to it but it's the software. The software is getting so much better where just the software integration with your camera system, it could just be a basic system, it can allow you to do amazing things, right? It could, it could show something like this. This does not look like an animal walking outside. This is actually a human crawling around, right? And it'll send some sort of signal. Uh, and in my opinion, have a professional security monitoring company be that you know, pay the money, so you have someone managing that. Don't give it to like the manager that's carrying a phone. You can do that, right? There's tons of stuff, apps and whatever, but you you want to you want to leave it to the pros because if someone drops the ball, it's it's, it's not going to be an amateur mistake, right? It's gonna it's it, it it's a paid service, right? These these are the pros. So oh. get, getting back to the inner perimeter. Uh, having a a robust camera system and certain devices, there's radar types of devices that can also pick up breaches, right? And It's all interconnected through the video. A lot of storage areas have outside where you can get out through the, the, I guess, where you park your car and whatnot, but there's also inside storage areas. I, I would not skimp on cameras in there, too, so people feel safe. They, even if you have a camera where every unit is at, or at least a field of view, because if something happens, I could tell you nothing's worse being a victim of a crime when you know they have cameras, but they just didn't have the coverage where you're at, or not even even a glimpse of what may have happened, right? And yeah. that that's... Uh, the extra money you would spend for the peace of mind of someone trusting their valuables within the storage locker. And then uh, for, for all of all of the people listening on here, I was one of – I would say I was your – I was the, the um, premier customer because I paid for a locker for like three years with stuff I never needed. It's just I just left it in there for three years, and I finally got around to going through it, and I threw – Half of it away, I gave about forty percent to charity, and maybe ten percent of the stuff I could have fit in the trunk of my car. So I just want yeah. want to let you know. I mean, yeah. I I did have some valuables in there, but a lot of it was it was out of sight, out of mind. And I think I was paying about twenty five hundred a year. And I don't, and take uh, care alone. <laughs> right, it's about it's about revenue, right? Uh, human mm-hmm. nature. People like to hoard. They like to, like, wow, well, I'm going to keep this 10 by 10 that's costing me 2500 a year, but I have I have my family photos in there. But it's safe, right? Hey, yeah. from a business perspective and a revenue perspective, if if someone's paying, you know, two, 200 a month or a little over that because they, they feel like my stuff's safe, the extra money you spend on making it safe and secure will... The return on investment uh, will far outweigh what you spend on on a security system. Absolutely. Well, I think we
1: just reached the end of our time, but uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk. It's been fantastic. Thank you.
2: My pleasure. Uh, w- wish you the best. And uh, if you need any more insight, you know where to get a hold of me.